Welcome to the Peace Over Pieces podcast, hosted by Clara Baldwin. Peace Over Pieces is a nonprofit domestic violence organization creating podcasts with victims while providing donations, hotline information, and resources. If you or anyone you know is in need of financial or emotional assistance related to domestic abuse, please visit our website for contact information. Now, without further ado, please enjoy the next episode. All right, everyone, thank you for joining me on this episode of Peace Over Pieces. Today, we have a really special guest, 19-year-old Steven Stikus, a sophomore nursing major and survivor of abuse, sharing his story today with a heart-wrenching story of sexual assault at the abuse of his hands of his fraternity president while attending York College of Pennsylvania. Stephen is about to share his experience with his ongoing Title IX investigation and healing to his trauma. Hi, Stephen. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm uh, kind of hanging in there just with everything going on and, you know, trying to like keep somewhat of a normal life. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm trying to find that balance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we were talking before this, but I just want you to feel at ease during the podcast and, you know, just share what your heart feels right. But I'm really excited to speak with you today. And for the audience who doesn't know, we got a phone call last week and you actually reached out to me through Instagram. And we just have been going back and forth about, you know, your story and your journey mm-hmm. on this crazy, you know, roller coaster of what you're dealing with right now. So yeah, I'm just so happy to have you today. Thank you for having me. I mean, I can't like express how much this means to me. And I've, I've told you so many times, but I mean, really what you do, it's such an inspiring thing. And it, it shows me that there's, you know, people out there that care about survivors and care about victims. And I mean, it's just, it's so inspiring what you do. Thank you. I appreciate that more than you know. Yeah, it's it's crazy to, you know, encounter this stuff every day, but it does keep me going in my everyday life. So thank you for coming. And if we just want to start with a little rundown about yourself in general, where you're from, if you have any hobbies, just give the audience a little idea of who you are. Yeah. So um, I'm from Perry Hall, Maryland. I grew up in Maryland pretty much my whole life. I really love it here. The weather is great sometimes, and then it's not. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I grew up here my whole life. Um, I really love helping people. I think that's kind of what led me to choose nursing as you know a career path, because helping people in any way possible, it, it just gives me satisfaction and just to know that I'm doing something for someone that I think is the biggest motivator for me. And I think that's what really keeps me going. But um, I love helping people. I love working out, um, just hanging out with friends and all that normal 19-year-old stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know I haven't known you very long, but I can just tell your heart is really with people. And I can relate to that. I feel like sometimes it can become a fault to how much, you know, having that yeah. personality of caring for people are, but that's amazing. And yeah, nursing is going to be just the perfect field for you to get your hands on <laughs> with people every day and help them hands on. So that's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Yeah. So we're just going to go ahead and dive in your story, if that's okay with you. Um, yeah. We're just going to start with possibly the start of when you met your abuser. What was your interaction like when you first met him? And like, what was your relationship from the start? Yeah. So um, 
a little bit of background. I attended your college of Pennsylvania for a full year. So I just transferred this semester to Towson University. And I went to your college of Pennsylvania for a whole year. It's about 45 minutes to an hour away from where I currently live. So mm-hmm. it's far enough because I did want that, you know, typical college experience, you know, like where you go away and you like, you know, really branch out in the world. But, right. you know, I'm a, I come from a very, you know, tight Greek family. So being like able to go home was very like important for me because, you know, I'm just such a family guy and mm-hmm. really family to me is just the most important thing. And um, so York, it was the perfect choice for me because, you know, I could go away and get that college experience and kind of be on my own. And then if I ever needed to come home or anything like that, I could just take a, you know, car ride down to my house and just be home. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and it was, it was perfect. Like I, I really loved it there. My first year, uh, well, first semester, I got involved in Greek life. Um, and it was something that I really never saw myself being a part of, you know, you hear about like all those typical, like fraternity, like guys and those, you know, mm-hmm. your typical fraternity and stuff like that. So that's yeah. how I kind of viewed it. But, you know, when I went on to campus and I went to, you know, meet these different organizations, I met one, Kappa Delta Phi, and they just really stuck out to me as being a very different type of fraternity. And I think that's what really, like, attracted me to want to join Greek life. So flash forward, you know, I join and everything and I'm loving it, you know meeting so many great people. Everyone was just so amazing. You know, I thought these were people that I would like have with me for the rest of my life and everything like that. I just, I think the biggest thing is that I wanted a sense of family because like I said, you know, like I'm a very big, you know, family guy and being away from my family, it was, it was really hard, you know, right a first year freshman and you're, you know, in this dorm, like little box area. Oh, of like, course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, Everyone has you know, you're feeling. homesick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're just so homesick and, you know, meeting what I thought these great people were, you know, they, they made it feel like I had um, a second family. So I think really that's what drew me in. So, you know, I was, I was friends with my abuser. Um, he at that time, he was a junior when I was a freshman. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew him a whole year before, um, you know, what happened happened. And he, honestly, he was he was like a big brother to me. Um, you know, this was someone who I trusted, you know, with my life. This was someone who I could just hang out with and not only like be myself around, but just feel comfortable. Right. You know, and just he was like a brother to me. And um, you know, I think that's that's the hardest part about everything is because I knew him a certain way before like everything happened. And um, you know, coming to terms with that, I think it's like a whole big thing in of itself. Like, you know, it sucks what happened happened, but because of who it was, I think it hurts even more. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's really well said. Sometimes it just starts out with, I mean, the majority of the time it starts out, you're really close to your abuser and there's no red flags. But yeah. were there any red flags before the instance of what happened? Did you notice anything about his personality that swayed you in a wrong way or no? Not at all. That's, I mean, that's why I think it's really? such a, yeah. Like I said, like I felt so safe around him. And then you have to understand too, like, I mean, this was someone who, was so looked up to because he was the fraternity's president. Right. I mean, this was someone who was literally like loved so much by everyone. And, you know, I myself included, like I looked up to him so much. And I think that's really hard too, because it's like, I know what he did to me and everyone still looks at him as this great guy. It can be extremely blindsiding, especially when you don't see any warning signs beforehand. Yeah. But at your own comfort level, could you place the setting of the day that, you know, the instance happened? Like, how did your day play out? Where were you when, you know, this this all happened and went down? Yeah, um, it sucks to even say, but I became so, I think, desensitized to what happened because of how many times I've had to say it. Oh yeah. And I, I had to, you know, fight to prove that something happened to me. Like, you know, with Title Nine, you know, like and and coming forward to my fraternity. I think I said it so many times that I just I completely just disassociated myself from that trauma and and saying it, it's like it's like second nature almost. You know what oh, I mean? I'm so sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So can we back up actually? So can you explain what Title IX is? Um, because I think a lot of people don't know what that means. So if you could just explain what that is. Yeah. So Title IX is a institute at, I believe, every single college or university. Um, and they are responsible for handling sexual assault um, investigations, um, sexual misconduct, uh, stalking, dating violence, domestic violence, anything mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, I didn't even know what that was until, you know, I had to make a report and Title IX, you know, I can't speak for nationally about what it is. I can only speak for my experience, but, um, at your college, but, um, like every system, I think, I think it has its, uh, roses and it has its thorns. Um, sure. they, they try to make everything easy for you know a complaint is what i'm called and then the respondent is what he's called and you know i, I can't even say his name still to this day but yeah you know it's it's definitely not the most perfect system there's been times where i have felt completely just out of the loop with what was happening to me mm. and you know when you make a complaint you have to you have to make a written complaint first to start an investigation so I officially filed a complaint November of 2021. They just finished their investigation the beginning of this month. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, and I understand these things take time. I understand that, you know, it's a long process, but to sit here every single day and just be like, what is going on? You know, like what is happening? It's not victim-based at all. That's, I think that's the that's the best way I can describe it, at least at your college of Pennsylvania. I mean, it's, it's a very dehumanizing process for the victim to have to go through. 
just sitting there and waiting for something to happen and, and to even get like an update. I mean, there would have been times where I've emailed them and have been like, hey, like what's going on? And they wouldn't get back to me like a week later. And then, you know, by then I would have like completely new questions, you know? So right. it's a, yeah, it's a very frustrating process to have to go through and to have to like put yourself through it. And I can see why so many people don't come forward about this because, you know, you're having to like literally fight for yourself. Right. Of course. And I, inside, when I just listen to that, I'm like, I wonder if it's, you know, organized to kind of keep everything on the hush hush and like, you know, kind of drag it out. So I would be super frustrated. How did administration treat you in person? Did you get to see them in person a lot? Like, how did they treat you? Were they supportive or were they just like not helpful at all? Well, at your college, the Title IX office is basically a team of two people. Oh. So there's, yeah, (laughs) there's a coordinator and then there's an investigator. So I had to meet with them and they were both very lovely. You know, they made me feel very comfortable um, just talking about everything and throughout the process, but I think it all changed, you know, when I decided to transfer out because I wasn't, I was no longer a student there. Right. So they saw kind of like, okay, this is not an immediate thing we need to like do or anything like that. Well, you know what, why I left is because of what happened to me. So I think you guys should be doing something about this. Absolutely. And, you know. They're treating so, it like a homework assignment, like procrastinating. Right. Oh, like we'll get there. Like we'll get there, you know. That's and, so frustrating. Yeah. But, you know, in the beginning, I felt very comfortable with them. I mean, they were they were very supportive and everything like that. But I think it all kind of changed when I decided to transfer because I would no longer be a student there. So. Right. Wow. So... I guess, backtracking to the situation again. You know, I know this is probably still in process. So as many details as you even want to or feel comfortable with, like, could you explain what happened on the peak of this instance? Yeah, so, um, you know, I remember every single detail. I think that's the thing that really sucks about everything. You can't even blame it on something, you know, like, oh, I was drinking, oh, I was you know, this, so I was that, you know, no, I was, I was completely sober. I was, I was aware of everything that was going on. So September 25th, 2021, basically like my life just changed forever. I um was out, it was a Saturday, you know, we're getting ready to go out to the fraternity house and we had like an alumni weekend. So all the alumni came down and we just kind of like, we're hanging out at the house. It wasn't anything too crazy. I uh, ended up calling my monster. That's what I kind of call him now because I can't really yeah. say his name. Mm-hmm. But I ended up calling him and, you know, because we were friends. Like, this is what we, I mean, we hung out the day before everything. And, you know, so I didn't think of anything like that, that that could possibly happen. Like, this was a friend. Yeah. Yeah. So I called him and said, hey, like, where are you? Like, are you coming? And he's like, yeah, like, I'll be there. Like, you know, I was drinking earlier, but I'll be there. And I was like, okay, like whatever. So 15, 20 minutes like passed by and he's telling me to come over to his apartment. And I kind of just want to like chill at the house, you know, talk to a couple of people and just kind of stay there. So he ends up showing up at the house and, you know, we're kind of just hanging out there 
And then he asked me, he said, hey, do you want to come over to my place? We can like watch a movie, just hang out there. And, you know, again, thinking nothing about it because this was normal, you know, like this was my friend. Like right. there's been times where I've just hung out with him and everything and everything was fine. So I just didn't, I didn't think of anything. So I go over there. Um, we're kind of like just on the couch and everything like that. He puts on something to watch. And then immediately, like I noticed he was, he was very, very close to me. And again, I wasn't really thinking anything of it. You know, it's, it's not that big of a couch what we were sitting on. So like, you know, he was, he was close to me, but then suddenly, you know, he, he puts his arm around me and I'm, I'm just feeling really like, okay, that's weird. Um, mm -hmm. at this point I'm at the end of the couch, so there's no where I can, I can move. There's nowhere I can like, you know, go further, mm -hmm. go further away from him. I'm, I'm kind of just stuck. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I feel, you know, his hand and it's just, you know, touching me like on my shoulder and on my arm, um, started touching like my chest and my abdomen. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? You know, like I, yeah. I'm so confused right now. And then he like ended up, um, sorry. No, it's fine. You're fine. Um, he ended up sticking his hands, um, down my pants. And I immediately just, when I tell you, I, I literally left my body. Like I never felt that feeling before. Like um, blacked out. Yeah. Yeah. And I just completely just disassociated and, and just froze. I mean, it, it felt like I was just watching myself from above, like what was happening. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't speak. I couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And that was, the, it was the scariest feeling ever because it felt like in that moment I was there, but I wasn't. That's actually so common with sexual abuse or any abuse you disassociate. It's like, yeah. you know, something in the brain that is signaling your body to, you know, avoid the pain. So it's very common. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, um, you know, I finally kind of get like the courage to like even say something because I mean, I was just in shock that this was even happening to me. One, and two, that he was doing this. So I kind of said, hey, like, what are you doing? And he tells me to, like, basically, sh and he grabs my face and he, like, starts kissing me. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to find the words to, like, even say something, but I, I literally can't because I'm just so, I'm so caught off guard. I'm so blindsided. I'm so confused. I just, I couldn't even say anything. So after that, he kind of grabbed my hand and he took me in his bedroom. He kind of puts me on the bed and he aggressively takes off my flannel that I was wearing. He rips off my shorts and he proceeds to um, make me perform oral sex on him. And then once that was done, he penetrated me with his penis and, um, 
I was just kind of laying there um, and I was crying, you know, and, and I think he could tell that I was crying, but the whole entire time, um, you know, he just didn't, he didn't say anything. There was almost no, like, I remember, like, I caught a glimpse of, of him and uh, I just saw this, like, blank, like, stare, like, just dead eyes and I, I didn't even, like, recognize him even though I, I, I knew who it was, but, um, he just, he had no emotion about it. And, you know, here I am just crying and, uh, you know, wiping away tears while he's assaulting me, you no know, remorse. no remorse. He's, you know, holding my hands down. He's has his hand over my mouth a couple times. He had his hand on my neck. Um, in that moment, it, it felt like forever, but it happened so fast at the same time too. Right. That I kind of was just like, I was laying there and I was just like, what just happened to me? And, you know, immediately I knew that this was wrong. And um, still, even after it stopped, he, he just didn't say anything. So I got up and I, I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And, you know, he wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. He kind of just locked the door, just made me stay there. Finally, he said something after him not talking for the entirety of it. He just said, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, he still wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. I got up and I was just like, what did you do? Like, I wanted to say something so bad, but I just, I couldn't. You also have to keep in mind too, like, you know. You're in shock. Yeah, I'm in shock. And I mean, I'm scared. Like, I, this is a guy who is six foot. 200 pounds, you know, I'm a five foot seven, 120 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, he's physically, he's older, older, you know, he's, yeah. I'm 19. He's 21 at the time. He's 22 now. So right. I'm just, I'm scared. And he's president. And he's the president yeah, of the fraternity. So. so, you know, like, this is something that you like, you don't even want to say or, or even acknowledge. So absolutely. basically after that, he kind of said, let's go back to the house. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm very just, I'm disheveled. I have, you know, a million things going on through my mind where I'm just like, what happened? Like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. And, you know, so we go back to this party and I'm not even wanting to be there. But the whole time he's just making sure like... I keep my mouth shut. I mean, there wasn't a moment where I couldn't like get away from him. And that's the only thing that I wanted to do in that, in that moment is I wanted to get away from him. So I ran out of the house when he wasn't looking or when he was talking to someone and I just ran back crying to my apartment and I get a text from him saying, where are you? I said, I went home and he said, okay, let me know when you're home. And he said, don't talk about what happened, uh, everything like that. And then he said, I'm sorry again. And that was um, kind of the end of my night. And I just kind of cried myself to sleep and uh, tried to act like nothing happened. (laughs) I mean, I'm like sweating for you listening to the story. And I... There's just a lot to unload here. Well, firstly, like, thank you for being brave enough to share that in detail. And, like, it's so hard to 
relive it. Yeah. I know even if you say it a million times, it's still extremely difficult. Yeah. Um, and just thank you for representing like, you know, men, yeah. gay community, like yeah. no matter who you are, what color you are, what your age is, consent is neutral yeah. beyond all platforms. Like that is the number one thing that will never change from person to person. It's something that is not an option. Yeah. So you see how devastating it is and how it can completely flip someone's life around by just simply not consenting and abusing like that. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm mind blown, but I am really, really sorry that all of this happened to you. Um, and I guess to go from here after, you know, everything happened and you're still trying to configure, you know, the situation, did you tell anyone right away? Did you keep it a secret? Like how did your friends and family react around you and support you? Yeah. So, um, the type of person I am is I, I didn't even want to acknowledge the fact that something happened to me. So for the longest time, I knew that it was wrong, you know, from, from the moment it happened, but I couldn't admit to myself that it almost feels as if I let it happen to me, you know? So I'm trying to like mm -hmm. justify, you know, did I do something? Did I, did I say something? Did I like, you know, give him the wrong impression, like everything like that. So I'm trying to just justify it you know, and find whatever, I mean, the day after it happened, like, I'm just trying to come up with all these things in my head to try and like, give an explanation, but you can't. No. And I soon, I soon realized that. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like, what happened to me? It wasn't my fault. One, two, there's nothing I could have done differently. And three, I need to do something about this and I, I need to at least like tell people or at, at least like try and and get like an apology from him. Right. And so for so long, you know, I mean, I remember the first person I told it was my my dear friends um, from back home. And, you know, I just remember hearing their voices just break and I mean, we just sat on the phone kind of just crying about it and um, we're talking about it and we're just like, you know, coming to the realization that this happened to me, like, it's a lot to even, even acknowledge and accept because of course. you don't want to accept the fact that this happened to you and especially coming from someone that you knew so well, you know, you're, yeah. you're just put in this impossible situation where you're just like, God, like, what do I do? It's devastating. And yeah, especially telling your loved ones about it can be a huge step. Um, you know, it shakes not only your world, but the people around you as well. And for sure. So I guess moving forward from there, like, what were your next steps after, you know, coming to terms with it yourself, telling your friends and family? Like, what was the process of you going to the university and like what's the status of that right now yeah so um you know like i said the next couple of days i honestly like i just tried to suppress it you know like i did not want to even pay it any attention you know i'm a nursing major i have like anatomy biology like all these important classes so i just i tried to throw myself into that and just focus on that but i mean that's impossible when you know deep right. down that something happened to you and you just can't, you can't let it go. So it was getting to that point where 
I had been trying hard to suppress it. I ended up getting an apology from him, which basically, I mean, he said, I thought you were into it. I'm sorry. Um, wow. Yeah. So, you know, I was just trying, trying to forget about it, but I think everything took a hit and my mental health definitely took a hit. I mean, I, I've had anxiety and, and depression before, but it escalated after this. I mean, just skyrocketed after this. Like, I mean, I could not sleep. I could not eat. I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable going out anymore. I didn't feel, right. Of course, I just didn't even want to put myself in a situation where I had to like, you know, be vulnerable by like drinking or even like seeing him or anything like that. So I just, for the longest time, like I just stayed in my room and I just became this depressed, just human being. I mean, every single weekend, I kind of like developed a hard, like drinking problem with it, I would say, you know, because I'm trying to just like numb myself and like cope with it. So I mean, there would be like days where I would just like finish like a whole bottle of wine and I would just like use that to like help me sleep because I couldn't sleep. And, um, you know, this had been affecting every single bit of my life. It's even hard to say too, but um, I had two suicide attempts. And honestly, the only like reason I'm here is because my friend, um, she came like knocking on my door one day, totally like out of the blue. And I like, I had just almost taken and <sighs> sorry <sighs> no no you're fine thank you for sharing this um i had almost taken um my whole bottle of antidepressants and i was i was just gonna just like fall asleep and just not wake up so you know like <sighs> what this did to me like it, it felt like a part of myself like just died and I, I couldn't even continue or, or pretend to continue on with my normal life. I mean, this is a person that not only did he have power over me with what he did to me, but he had power over me in the sense that he was the president of my fraternity and he controlled every single thing in my life. I was fined because I didn't go out. I was fined because I didn't go to meetings by him. After me telling him- Are you kidding? Yeah. $5 every weekend. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's disgusting. Yeah. So I, I mean, I told him, I, I just need space. I just need time. Like, please just give that to me. And he wouldn't give that to me. So you know what? I finally, I said, enough is enough. Like, I'm going to say something. And I went to um, my fraternity's e-board and they're basically are kind of responsible for making like all the, you know, disciplinary stuff and, and yeah, you know, they kind of run everything. So I mean, how do you go against the president of a fraternity, like without evidence and without proof? So during this time, you know, I, I was gathering evidence. I was doing all this stuff. You know, I had had so many admissions of guilt from him. I had had so many, you know, text messages from him where he, after me telling him, please leave me alone, he would try and see me. He would try and come over. He would try and you know, interject himself into my life. And I was kind of just doing all this stuff. And so finally, one day I told the vice president and from there, they decided to do an internal investigation, the fraternity. And 
you know, I say internal investigation because, Mm -hmm. I mean, basically what it was, it was a day where basically they talked to me, they talked to him, got my side of the story, got his side of the story. And, you know, and I, I was the youngest member of the fraternity at this time. So, mm. you know, I'm, I'm very naive. I'm, I'm very trusting of these guys, you know, that they're, they have my, my best interest in mind. So I thought really the only thing to do was to go to the fraternity. I mean, Greek life at your college is, it's such a small school, but being in Greek life, it's it's the most important thing there because of how small it is. That was like my college. And the discipline within the sororities and fraternities, it's very subjective to who's in those uh, chairs. So sometimes it can be useless and it can be intimidating. And yeah, I, yeah, I just can't imagine. Yeah. So, you know, I'm having to go into detail with these guys who don't understand anything about sexual assault, don't understand anything about trauma, don't understand anything about being a victim. And I'm having to go into detail about what I went through, about every single thing he did to me. So having that, that was just traumatizing in of itself. Like having to sit there, getting questioned by these guys and saying, are you sure this happened? Like, wait, what about this? Did he do that? Like, are you sure? Like, so having my story just like completely like picked apart and like trying to like be right. analyzed like it was just it was disgusting and I was just like what are you guys doing like for him like are you guys treating him the same way right now like what's going yeah. on yeah and I'm sure they were scared of like getting in trouble or probation as the fraternity and thinking of shallow reasons of like oh if we get in trouble we can't go out or oh if we get in trouble like we're gonna be taken down as a fraternity like yeah it's it's disgusting, honestly. Like, right. it's just sick that they're probably just trying to, you know, dole down the story for their own good. I mean, that day was just torment. They kind of wanted my the clothes that I was wearing that night. So I basically, I gave them my clothes that I was wearing. What? Yeah, because they were saying, you know, we believe you, but like, you know, we just want to make sure that we have like every single thing of evidence. And I'm like, the hell like do you guys have some sort of like crime lab that like i don't know about or like you know like what like Like, what do you need what i was wearing that night you know and they were kind of like you know we need this we need this we need this and i was just like yeah so i was just like that is so stupid yeah so you know they're asking me like can we please see it like we really need it and they take it and i didn't get that back for two, maybe three weeks. It was, I remember it was my last day and I kind of texted them. I said, Hey, like, you know, can I like get my stuff back? Like, yeah. Yeah. So they act like they're forensics or something. Like, I don't understand. So, and I mean, to this day, I honestly feel like they were trying to get rid of physical evidence because, Oh, I'm sure. Um, when I was being, um, assaulted, he ended up like ripping off a couple buttons from the shirt I was wearing. So, you know, I, I didn't have that for a very long time. And so I don't, I don't even know what they did with it. I don't even know what their plans was. I don't even know what... They never returned it? I mean, they returned it, but who knows what they did with it. Right. Right. What the heck? Yeah. It's so weird. So then after that disaster, obviously, I'm assuming you were like, okay, I have to take this to another level and 
you know, find actual people to help. Yeah. So basically after that whole investigation, you know, a joke of an investigation, you can call it, they basically were like, all right, you know, we believe you, um, you know, we're going to remove him from being the president, but this will not go through the school. This will not be reported. This will not be anything. And you're not allowed to talk about this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so threatening you. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, at this time I was just kind of over that whole day. And I kind of was just like, as long as I don't have to see him, like I'm fine. So, you know, a couple weeks later, I'm finally feeling like, oh, my brothers, you know, they're doing something, you know, they, they're protecting me and everything like that. But I mean, this was someone who was so deeply connected with everyone and who everyone loved. And after a certain amount of time, um, you know, people just kind of let it go. And um, he was allowed back out to functions. He was allowed to wear letters. He was allowed to participate in any fraternity activities. Um, I would have to see him after. So I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. I mean, I was assaulted. Like, this is not some stupid little disagreement that happened or a stupid little, like, argument. Like, this is criminal. Like, I was, I was violated in so many ways. And, and you guys are treating this as a joke. 100%. So I just kind of, I kind of got fed up with it. And you know what? Like, I finally, I found out about Title IX and at this point in time, I was starting the process of where I was beginning to like transfer out of York because I just, I couldn't be there anymore because why would I stay in a place where nobody is going to support me? Yeah. You know, I, I can't call these people my friends or my brothers when they're not even going to support me. Absolutely. So I, I made the decision. I, I applied to Towson. I got in and I think finally on my last week, I went to the Title IX office and I signed a formal complaint against him. And that's where the investigation started from there. Wow. Yeah. Can't blame you. I mean, I don't think any individual would want to stay around that environment at all, yeah. but it's it's hard with the whole case and everything, leaving the school, but also wanting, you know, justice for yourself. Like naturally, that's just ridiculous. So yeah, what's the status of the case right now? So um, it's basically finished. They're done investigating. I have my pre-hearing on Friday of this week. Um, and basically that's where, you know, they're going to go over all the rules of, you know, how the day is going to go and how like how everything runs. And then next week is the trial and that's um, March 2nd and wow. March 3rd. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. That's nerve wracking for sure. And, um, you know, so basically how it works is um, instead of having us basically like talk it out and like ask each other questions, we're allowed to have advisors that are asking questions to each other and are like basically like cross-examining so they try to make it like as much as a court as possible but not because it's a school like administration like thing so i'm allowed to have an advisor and a support person and he's allowed the same thing 
But I found out that a couple weeks ago, he ended up hiring a lawyer and um, his side of everything is basically that it can't be rape because I didn't put up a struggle um, and uh, that I kept talking to him after. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, all the audience is probably going to flood you with support. And, <laughs> you. you know, during this time, just remember, like, no matter what, you're really using your voice to help other people and just concentrate on yourself and your healing. So I guess my, you know, one of the wrap up questions I wanted to ask was like, amidst all this craziness and the unfortunate situation, like, how are you healing right now? What advice would you give to someone in your exact situation on like, you know, moving forward and trying to keep your head up? Yeah, so um, you know, I I always have been pro therapy and and everything like that. But for the longest time, I was doing so good. And and um I got out of therapy and because I was just on this incredible high, you know, I'm I'm a nursing major, you know, I'm I'm helping people, I'm I'm doing something I love, like I'm at a college I love, I'm I'm in a fraternity that I love. And then when this happened all of that went away and I became in such a dark place to the point where I tried to take my own life. So getting into therapy, one, I mean, has just helped so much. I I go every Thursday. I've been going since the beginning of January. And I mean, it's just something that, you know, you, you can talk to your friends about this and you can talk to your family about this, but really getting like an outside opinion and getting like an expert who who is trained in in yeah. you know this kind of stuff who went to school for this like it it helps so much and just taking my medicine you know I'm on two different antidepressants and um, anti anxiety medications and I used to have such a a stigma about you know taking medicine but you know yeah. I was always told like you know when you're sick you you take Tylenol like. You know, so when you exactly. have a mental health issue, you know, you take medicine for it and there's no shame in that. So, you know, that and just kind of surrounding myself by with family and, and my friends and and just people who I know are are there for me. And, you know, I I want to get to the point where I can finally I can just let this all go. But unfortunately, like I can't until I do something about this. And now that I finally can, and now that I'm not silenced anymore, like I'm going to keep doing something about this until I get not closure, but a peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I just, I'm really wowed by your story and your resilience through everything. And thank you so much for coming on and like hitting all these stigmas in so many ways. And you're so you know, you're so well-spoken. I could just sit here and listen to you all day, but um, we might have to do like a part two series after, you know. Yeah. I actually, I've never done that before, but I mean, we're kind of in the midst of everything. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But we are in the midst of everything. And like, it takes a lot to stop, you know, everything and slow down and like break down everything for me, but you have no idea how much it really means to everyone. Like we get over, you know, 10,000 listeners a month and like, I'd say 400 DMs a week. So (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to have a lot of people, you know, relating to you and just feeling for you and I'm excited to 
you know, empower you. So Thank we're behind you. you the whole way. And yeah, when's your when's your trial date again? March. So it's March second and March third. Okay. Well, I wish you the best of luck in that. And if you need anything from me, and just remember, you're you're just an amazing person. Oh, like I don't know you in person yet, but. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I just, I'm very inspired by you. You're just like a ray of sunshine, even though you're going through so much. And yeah, I just, I really appreciate you. But yeah, if you have any last words or your um, social handles where people can reach out to you, any last, you know, touches on this story, let me know. Feel free to share. You know, there's a, there's a beautiful quote that I can't remember where it's from, but my friend sent it to me and she's experienced, um, you know, sexual trauma and, and abuse. And, and she sent me one day and she said, you know, there comes a point in time where you stop being the victim and, and you become the survivor. And, you know, every day I think I'm becoming more of a survivor and I can't wait for the day where I feel like a survivor. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, I've, I haven't been in your exact shoes, but I endured like 18 years of, you know, physical trauma, emotional abuse. And I will say like, I am so happy for the person. Like, of course, I'm not happy that it happened to me, but I am so grateful for like the person I've become and like yeah. the empathetic person I've become. And like, I know you were already that. So <laughs> I have no doubts. Like, everything's going to be in your favor and it's going to go the way it's supposed to be no matter what. So thank you again for coming. And it was so great to talk to you and meet you. And I'm excited to see, you know, the audience react to all of this. It means a lot. Awesome. Thank you again so much. I mean, this, this was just a new experience that I didn't think was possible. You know, I thought for the longest time that I would have to just live with this in silence and, and coming on here and talking to someone like you it changes everything. So thank you.